Hello, and welcome to this special update of LPL Market Signals Podcast. This is John Lynch, Chief Investment Strategist for LPL Financial, and I'm here today with Ryan Dietrich, Senior Market Strategist for LPL. Hello, Ryan. Hey, John. How you doing today? We've got something to talk about right. here. We've got a little volatility, don't we? Yeah, I guess it necessitates a special update of the Market Signals podcast. What do you think? No, I think it absolutely does. And obviously, John, you know I'm going to blame you because I know you're traveling. It never fails when someone's on the road. These types of events happen. But we've got a lot to talk about today. I know you've got a lot of good thoughts on it, John. So, you know, tell us, John, what exactly happened yesterday and, you know, kind of why did it happen and what can we, what should we look for in the future here? Well, I, uh, as you know, I'm in San Diego and I was flying in yesterday. And uh, Ryan can also attest to the fact that I am a dinosaur when it comes to technology, and I couldn't get uh, the wireless to work effectively. But the person sitting next to me couldn't work either, so I don't know if it was user error. But nonetheless, I had a very peaceful flight, and then I got to the airport, and when I got connection, (laughs) I saw that all heck was breaking loose. And uh, sure enough, the market really took it on the chin yesterday, we saw, which was odd because futures weren't too bad, and overseas wasn't too bad. So by the time I landed, I was very curious to see what had happened. But clearly, uh, we saw equities take it on the chin for about a 3 to a 4% hit yesterday. Dow was down by 800, and uh, the momentum and growth stocks really took it e- even harder. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, I think there are a handful of reasons why that's been going on. Uh, it should be pointed out, though, that we've kind of had this underlying weakness in the market, even though we saw a 7% gain in the second and the third quarter. Ryan, you'd pointed out that several times we had seen uh, not everybody was participating in that gain, and momentum was really carrying it, particularly in, the, in a very uh, low volatile period, which was the third quarter of, of 2018. But nonetheless, I think there are two, if not three, major events. You know, first and foremost, Ryan, you and I talked about Fed Chair Powell last week uh, uh, when uh, Jeff Bookbinder and our friend Barry Gilbert also got to see the Fed Chair speak in Boston. And Ryan, what we discussed on the last podcast with Jeff was that uh, it was my estimation that Powell has really uh, made a pivot here. You know, for the better part of a decade, we were very much into dot plots and econometric models. And I think that's what we needed during the period of quantitative easing. But in a single speech, Jerome Powell was able to switch the market obsession from yield curve flattening to yield curve uh, steepening. And uh, we want to point out to all investors that when a yield curve is steepening because of growth expectations as opposed to inflation expectations, that is positive for economic output and positive for earnings and U.S. equities in particular. Uh, We also have a lot of concern about the tariffs and uh, trade tensions with China. And I think a lot of, and Ryan, you've been very good pointing this out, a lot of what we saw in the third quarter when when equities rebounded by about 700 base points was the fact that we made some success, had some degree of progress uh, relative to trade negotiations with Mexico, with South Korea, uh, with Europe, and then ultimately with Canada. Now, Nothing is perfect yet by any stretch of the imagination, but we have seen a degree of progress, and I think that's why we saw uh, we saw that sort of uh, momentum and firming in the domestic equity market. But nonetheless, uh, China tensions are still there. Chinese stock market, as you know, is down uh, more than 20% over the past 12 months. Uh, but we should point out uh, and remind investors that it's our strong contention that 
the fiscal tailwinds when you think about 150 billion in government spending, 200 billion in tax cuts to consumers and small businesses, 450 billion uh, repatriated year to date. Uh, you factor that in with lending capacity having been increased uh, in the financial sector. We just think the fiscal tailwinds will overwhelm uh, the tariff headwinds. And consequently, when you think about the Fed, when you think about uh, China, and then finally just the, the overvaluation and the momentum stocks, that was really a, uh, a perfect recipe, if you will, for the markets to take it on the chin yesterday and today. Uh, care to add anything to that, Ryan? No, you're right, John. You know, I think the key thing here, as you said, there's not really one event that led to yesterday's worst drop since you know February. I think it was the worst day for technology since 2011. It was kind of a multitude of things. But, you know, John, the one thing I think was interesting, you sent me a text yesterday morning saying as your plane backed up, you guys hit something. I think that was probably the <laughs> warning pre-market that it was going to be a bumpy ride. And my goodness, was it? what did the plane hit, John, if I can ask that? Yeah, we were backing up, and uh, I guess uh, somebody forgot to pull the the towing mechanism off the bolt on the nose of the plane. So it ripped the bolt off the nose of the plane. Whether or not you're an aerodynamics engineer, it's that is terribly important. But thankfully, yeah. the plane was able to take off, and more importantly, it was able to land safely. Well, that's good. <laughs> good all around there. So you know, some other things, John. <laughs> I, obviously, some other things, John. I want to point out here. So, like you said, the third quarter. Um, historically speaking, third quarter is the most volatile for equities historically. This was the least volatile third quarter for the S&P 500 since 1963. Now, another way to look at this, the S&P went 74 consecutive days without a 1% move up or down. That's one of the longest streaks in history without a 1% change either up or down. So you follow the headlines, they're volatile. But the market really wasn't volatile yet. Under the surface, though, we did see small caps breaking down, some other important groups breaking down. So there was that weakness. But then you flip the calendar to October. And as we've talked about, there's no more volatile month in October. October has more 1% changes up or down than any other month in history from 1950 to 2017 on the S&P 500. So some volatility was probably brewing. Um, likely to happen. And, you know, to be honest, the second half of October usually is volatile also. We have a pre a midterm election, which we can get into here, which <laughs> historically speaking, the uh, U.S. has seen weakness ahead of elections. Think about this, John. Nine straight down days for the S&P right ahead of the 2016, November 2016 election. One of the longest losing streaks in history. Now we're starting to see some downside volatility potentially with midterms, a very obviously important midterm election coming up. And those are just some factors to think about. What do you think? Are we going to have more volatility, John, the second half of uh, October likely here? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you've done such great work not only on the minimum volatility that we saw in the third quarter, but also 2017. You know, we've been in a period for the better part of a decade when the Fed has uh, artificially suppressed the short end of the Treasury curve. That really resulted in all companies having access to easy credit. And uh, now that market interest rates are moving higher because of strong growth and not because of inflation, investors will determine who the strong companies are. Lenders will determine who the strong companies are. And therefore, you're going to see more variability. And I think that's what in, 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 uh, in, in corporate credit rates. And consequently, you're going to see more volatility in the equity market. So I think that's something to keep in mind. But again, when you see volatility in the context of an uptrend, when you see volatility in the context of strong GDP, 
record profits, and I say record profits on an absolute basis, the rate of growth will decrease from the 25%-ish that we've seen in the first and second quarter. But we'll probably see 20% this quarter, and it's conceivable we see 8 to 10% next year. So I just want investors to really you know, reread, if you will, the plot thickens our 2018 mid-year outlook, uh, where we talk about uh, the strong fundamentals supporting the economy, but also how the plot thickens relative to tariffs and an increase in volatility. So we just want, as you know, Ryan, we want to make sure uh, investors don't fear volatility at this point in the cycle. We think it's time to embrace volatility and to take advantage of weakness. For example, with all this momentum stock move and, and the, the, the great disparity between growth and value, this could be an opportunity uh, you know, to build positions and value again. And we still think it's an opportunity given the fiscal tailwinds. Uh, we're probably going to continue to lean cyclical for at least the next six to nine months, if not uh, if not after that. So uh, this opportunity, uh, we think, uh, should be taken advantage of. I know it's never fun. We never want to be dismissive of it. But um, we're down about 5% relative to uh, the all-time high just five or six trading days ago, right? right and exactly. uh, just want to encourage investors to focus on those positive fundamentals. Well, great stuff, John. Looks like we have a couple more minutes here. So, John, as you just touched on, earnings continue to drive this bull market. Like you said, we're looking at potentially the third consecutive quarter of 20% year-over-year earnings growth here in the third quarter earnings, which kick off this week. But, John, I want to touch on two more things that will let, let, let you bring us home here. Purely based on the calendar, the fourth quarter of a midterm year then the first and second quarter of the following year, which is a pre-election year, those are the three strongest quarters for the S&P 500 since 1950 when you look at the four-year presidential cycle. Long story short, these next three quarters really do have a tailwind for the bulls. So that's something to consider here. Doesn't mean we can't have a bigger correction here. Doesn't mean we can't have more volatility. But the odds of a major market correction starting now, you have to say purely based on the calendar, are slim. And then as John, you just mentioned, the earnings per share, the economy still looks pretty strong. Fundamentals are still good. The last thing I'll say, John, though, it is a midterm year. And we have a midterm election coming up here in early November. We recently took a look back at what do markets do after midterm elections. I went back to 1946. There's been 18 midterm elections one year later, so 365 days later. S&P 500 has been higher every single time, 18 out of 18 times after a midterm election. So a little bit of sell-off, a little bit of weakness ahead of the midterm. Let's not forget, though, the next 12 months after that historically um, do support the bullish case. So, John, this was a lot of fun today in our special update. Looks like we have maybe about 45 seconds or so. Go ahead and bring us home. Yeah, absolutely. Great insight, Ryan. Greatly appreciate that. And Just for all our listeners, keep in mind, uh, real hard to have a recession when leading indicators are so strong, when the economy is so strong, GDP, jobs, profits, um, we'll have recession someday, but we just don't see the fundamentals supporting it. And when you look at the historical data Ryan just talked about, think about the great rotation. Over the past decade, uh, fund flows have been uh, growing in fixed income and actually negative in equities. So we just think, given that market interest rates are high, rising as bond yields rise, bond prices go down, we think that can be an opportunity to further support the equity market and potentially uh, – uh, fortify Ryan's uh, historical data that he just provided. So everyone will want to thank you for listening. We want to assure you that we are working very hard to provide you with up-to-date information as possible. So we'll continue to do that. Uh, we encourage you all to uh, 
maintain your focus on the long-term fundamentals. We wish you a very good week. And until the next time, we look forward to speaking with you again on the next edition of LPL Market Signals Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construe as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.